Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. Got the most unusual of messages. Uh, I know you're thinking they're all unusual when they come from your mouth. I'm with you. I'm with you. Tonight's even more unusual than normal, especially uh, for me. Uh, but this is the thing. Been talking about a lot today. Time is drawing short. Amen. The world is going to pot. I'm not sure you're supposed to say that in church. The church is a hot mess. Christianity is being made into a joke. We are facing perilous times like never before. And if there's anything at all that is certain, it's that there's no time to waste. Amen? The days of casual Christianity are behind us. The days of sitting in a pew and playing it safe are gone. It's time to get serious. By raising hands tonight, how many of you have ever felt starved or malnutrition, malnourished spiritually? Anyone ever felt that way? Oh, wow. Preachers look at that. That's not good. I mean, I'm, glad, I'm grateful for your honesty. We got some work to do. Amen. By raising hands, how many of you have ever felt unstable, wobbly, movable, weak spiritually? How many of you have ever felt lost or in need of a direction, in need of some guidance? Amen. Ever since I came back from Colorado, Jenny can attest to this, I've had this mentality of failure is not an option. And what I mean by that is when something is important enough, when something is serious enough in your life, you won't allow it to remain broken. For instance, if your toaster breaks down, so what? Amen. How many of you, I won't ask for a raise of hand, somebody have a broken toaster. Toaster's not a big deal, it breaks down. Now, if your air conditioner breaks down and it's 100 degrees outside, going to be 110, all of a sudden, failure is not an option. If it's broken, it has to be fixed. Am I telling the truth tonight? When something's serious enough, when something is important enough, saying it's broken is no longer an option. It has to be figured out. It has to be fixed. It has to be dealt with before we move forward. Are you with me tonight? This is where we're at with Christianity. And this is where we face so often in the church, we have a faith, we have a a system that's broken down. It's not functioning properly the way it was designed to function but we leave it alone. We leave it the way it is. We leave it like the busted toaster in the bottom drawer. We accept that this is just how it is. This is how it has to be. But listen, Jesus loved you too much to leave you in your sins. He loved you too much to allow you to receive due damnation. You better be sure that he loves you enough not to give you a faith that's broken. If he loved you enough to save you, he loved you enough to get you through. Amen. You might as well get used to that word. You're going to be saying that a lot tonight, or we're going to be here a very long time. Amen. Amen. Okay. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Or you can look over here. Hebrews chapter 4. Actually, we're going to start chapter 3. If you want to turn chapter 3. So the book of Hebrews, the author of this book, 
has been writing for three chapters up until this point, and he's been comparing Israel with Moses and how how Christ has completed the work. The author has told us that Jesus is more equipped than angels. Jesus is better than sacrifices. Jesus is better than a high priest. He's better than having an apostle. And if there were a summary sentence of the first three chapters of Hebrews, this is what the summary sentence would be. Jesus is the functionality of faith. He's what makes it go. Jesus is what makes it work. Jesus is everything you need to be a Christian. Amen. Amen. Brother Richard's beat me to the point. And this evening, our focus, we're going to take a look here at Hebrews chapter uh, 4, verses 1 through 2, but I want to give you a little bit of context here in verse 3, or chapter 3, rather, before we get to our text in chapter 4. So uh, if you'd stand with me, Jenny's yawning, stand with me, stretch your arms, don't throw your Bible. Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle, the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. I'm going to read this a little differently. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of heavenly calling, consider Christ Jesus. Consider Christ Jesus. Harden not your hearts as, the, as in provo- provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And to whom swear he that he should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And here's our text tonight. Let us, here now, present day, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into this rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, Israel. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Do you join me in prayer? Lord, as we come to you this night, Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need you. God, there's no sufficiency here up on stage. Lord, there's nothing to be seen. There's nothing to be heard. God, there's nothing to look at. But God, there is a willing vessel up here. There is someone that loves you very much. There's someone who loves these people so much. There's someone who loves your word and who desires for them to understand what you have tonight. And God, I know that if Josh tries to do that, we've got failure on our hands. But God, I'm asking that you would come be our functionality, Lord. You would be our sufficiency tonight. God, would you speak to your people? Would you flow in and through us? May my hands be your hands and point where you desire. May my feet walk where you want. May my mouth say what you want. My mind think what you want. My heart love what you want. God, I'm yours. God, available and accessible right here. May your will be done. Lord, we say thank you in advance. In the name of Jesus, amen. So the author of Hebrews... Here, he gives us a warning. He gives a warning to his audience. He raises a red flag, and he puts everyone who reads this on high alert. He tells everyone who would ever read the book of Hebrews, don't repeat their mistake. Whatever you do, make sure not to repeat the mistake that kept many in Israel from entering the promised land. The author says that in the wilderness, there were bones everywhere. 
It was paved with people who were saved, people who had been delivered from bondage and sin in Egypt, who believed enough to get out of Egypt, but did not believe enough to get in to Canaan. And the writer here says, here and now, in our present day, with Israel thousands of years in our rearview mirror, we should be afraid. We should fear. Because right now, we still have the ability to enter into his rest. We still have the ability to walk in his promises, to walk in victory. The abundant Christian life is still available now. You still have options on the table at the moment. But then the writer gives a parallel here. Just like the gospel was preached to Israel, it's also been preached to each of us. And like them, many of us, we have heard the gospel. Have you heard the gospel tonight? And so he says, Israel heard the gospel. Maybe you're scratching your head thinking, well, Jesus wouldn't be born for a very long time. How did they hear the gospel? And I think this is pretty evident, but let me explain. How in the world did Israel hear the gospel? Well, the gospel is nothing more than the good news. Israel, who was living in sin and bondage, living in a life of chains and shackles under someone else's control, was told God came to them, God spoke to Israel, and what did he say? He said, I'll set you free. He said, I'll give you salvation. I will save you. And that was good news. God told Israel, if you will leave behind Egypt, if you will leave behind sin and now live for me, if you will be a people called by my name, then I will literally take you to a place that flows with milk and honey. I'll give you a land that is prosperous. I'll give you a place with gigantic grapes. And this was good news. God says, if you will leave behind sin, if you will live for me, I will take you to a promised land. But not only that, I will also handle every one of your enemies. I will handle every one of your burdens. Every situation, every predicament, every problem you find yourself facing, put it on my tab, I'll take care of it. And that was good news. Israel had heard the good news. Israel received God's word. And yet there was a problem. All of this, all of the good news, all of the promises of God, everything that he had said he would do, did not profit Israel. It didn't assist them. It wasn't advantageous. It wasn't useful. After leaving Egypt, after having been saved from a life in bondage of sin, the gospel was preached, the good news was given to them, but it was of no benefit in their lives. And the reason, the writer of Hebrews tells us in verse 2, was because the word of God was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Israel had been saved. They'd been delivered. But they could not and would not enter into rest. They could not and would not make it to the promised land. They could not and would not go into Canaan. They wouldn't experience victory or receive his rest. And the reason is that the people of Israel did not mix what God said with faith in what God had said. And as a result, they would perish prematurely. They would perish in the wilderness. And in this devastating picture, the Holy Spirit inspires the writer of Hebrews to warn us not to do the same. Amen. All right. Make sure to mix God's word with faith. The word mix here in this verse is a 12-letter word 
that I'm not going to try to pronounce. It is a very long word with 12 letters that I don't know how you say, but it means this, to mix, to unite, to combine. And the author says, if you want to enter into rest, if you want to grab a hold of what God has said, if you don't want to perish prematurely, then you need to mix, combine, and unite what God has said with faith. And so here we have the, the simple recipe. Ingredient number one, God's word. What is ingredient number one? What is ingredient number one? You add that, you mix that, you combine that with ingredient number two, faith. What is ingredient number two? What is ingredient number two? You mix them, you combine them, you put them together. And if you do, you can live the life God intended to give you. So again, by raising hands, how many of you have ever had the feeling of being starved, weak, malnourished spiritually in your Christian walk? It's good for you to raise those arms. If you have ever felt that way, let me see you raise the arms. Let me see the arms in the air. Let me see, let me see. Spiritually, you felt like you hadn't eaten for a month. Spiritually, you felt weak. You felt irritable. Amen. You felt uncomfortable. And spiritually, it's beginning to take a toll on you. Ever felt that way? No strength left. The cause of feeling this way by so many Christians is that we only munch on God's word instead of mixing God's word. I warned you, this is going to be a very strange one. <clears throat> many Christians munch on God's word instead of mixing God's word. This word mix used here in verse two, it gives this idea of a food that's being put into the mouth. And yet, do you know that if food is put into your mouth, it's not automatically counted as nutrition? Sister Christine's probably the only person who really maybe knows this. Jamie, uh, Sister Jamie would know that she's going through this right now herself. <clears throat> if you put food in your mouth, in order to get nutrients from it, what do you have to do? Well, you have to put the food in, you have to chew it, swallow it, and digest it. In order for it to have any value, any benefit to the person consuming it. Because by swallowing, by consuming the food, guess what it does? It mixes. It mixes with the enzymes in your body. It mixes with the stomach fluid of your body. The enzymes, the, the juices, the fluids, which have now gained nutritional value from the food that you've consumed, are now able to enter into the bloodstream. They're able to enter into the life flow of your body. And guess what it does? It strengthens you. It sustains you. Some of you are like, I never knew what I was doing this whole time. Listen, watch one episode of The Magic School Bus, you're covered, right? <clears throat> Some of you think I'm kidding. I can remember the episode very well. Listen, putting food in your mouth will do you no good. You have to consume it in order for it to mix and become of any benefit to you. Food has to be mixed in order to maintain the needs of your body. If you were to throw a slice of apple into your mouth, and if you like apples, let me see your hands, apples, apples. If you throw a slice of apple into your mouth and you chew it up and you enjoy the taste of it, you cherish its flavor, and then you spit it out before consuming it, would that apple help your appetite? Would it keep the doctor away for a day? Would it make you grow strong and healthy? No. 
munching on an apple only without being mixed into your body's needs would be of no benefit at all. It'd be of no profit. You might as well not have eaten it at all. Never have taken the bite. And the problem that we find with a lot of Christians, especially today, is that our faith is not mixed. We've munched. We've nibbled. We've took a bite here and there on God's word, what he said. We've heard it. We've taken it into consideration, but we've not mixed it. We've not applied it. We've not activated it in our lives. It enters into our life flow. Many Christians are regurgitating God's word, and there's a message on its own. Many Christians are regurgitating. They're taking it, and then they're disconfiguring it and spitting it back out, mixed with very vile things. Many Christians regurgitate the things they hear. Instead of digesting, consuming, mixing God's word, they may say amen during the preaching. They may be able to quote a Bible verse. They may teach a Sunday school class. They may have a Bible coffee mug, a Bible app, a bumper sticker, a calendar with verses on it. But unless God's word is mixed in their life, unless it's digested and demonstrated, it's of no help. It's of no benefit. It's of no use. It cannot bring nutrients, strength, and growth to their lives. And the writer says... This is what Israel did. And I'm afraid it's what you're going to do too, he says. You hear the gospel preach. You hear the good news. You hear the promises God's given you. You know the facts. You've placed it into your mouth, but you failed to consume it. You failed to mix it into your life. You're allowing what's being preached and read to enter before your eyes to go one ear and out the other, never mixing into your experience. Church, I want you to ask yourself tonight, am I mixing the word of God with faith? Am I munching on what he has said? Can you, on, this, is a, this is a good way to tell right here. If you honestly were to look at the past year, the past six months, the past two weeks, Can you point to a specific message, a specific lesson, a specific verse that infiltrated your life, that altered who you are, that made you more like him? Can you say, before this, I was this way, but now, after this, I am this way. You have digested, you have mixed, you have consumed what you have heard. I want you to answer that for yourself, because if not, you may not be mixing, you may be munching. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5, we all know it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? Why are they blessed? For they shall be filled. Folks, if you're hungry, he's got all the supply you need. Folks, if you're hungry, don't take a bite, eat the whole elephant. Christ fulfills. Christ is enough. If you're spiritually hungry, spiritually starving, Jesus is what you need. He will satisfy your hunger and your thirst. What you need is for your life to be filled with more of him. Mix him in. The word made flesh with faith, with acting upon what he has said. I ask us again by a raise of hands, how many of you have ever felt unstable, movable, shaky in your spiritual walk? Let me see the hands. Let me see the hands. Let me see the hands. Thank you, Brother Steve. Here at Sand Hill, we hear a lot of God's word. Amen. We read a lot of God's word. Amen. We preach and teach and write and speak and record. And wow, we got a lot of input of the word of God. Praise God. Amen. But unless you're mixing that word which you're hearing 
like spitting the apple out. Christianity absolutely must be mixed like a mortar. And the reason is that the mixing of the mortar gives stability in life. This is interesting. You all know the parable that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 7. We'll read it here. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which builds his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. And everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon a sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. What is the difference between these two men? They both heard. They both received the word of God. One did, one mixed, one acted, and their house stayed. The other's house fell. Grasp what's going on here. We have a man who builds his house upon sand, and it rains. The water comes, and it falls down. And yet the man who built his house upon the rock endures. He's stable. It is strong. It is unmovable. And Jesus said, it's the same way. Those who hear my words and those who act upon my words will be solid, stable, firm. But those who only hear my words and do not mix it with faith, they don't act upon what I have said, they will crumble, they will fall, they will be shaken. It's interesting. I, I've never ever thought of it this way. I, this, is, this to me is so fascinating. I've heard this maybe a million times in my short life. It's interesting, if you look at the components of this story, right? We got a building project going on, we got some natural work going on. We have three components in this story, what are they? We have water, we have sand, and we have rock. What's fascinating in the Bible days was that mortar was nothing more than the mixture of water and sand. That's how they made mortar. In fact, that's how they made rock, mixing water and sand. And so if you were going to build a house, if you wanted something stable and sturdy to build your life, your house, your family upon, if you wanted something sturdy and solid to put over your head, you didn't grab dirt only. You didn't grab water only. What did you do? You mixed water and sand. You mixed the two and it became a mortar. The mixture became a mortar. It became a stable substance. It became a rock. But by themselves, both dirt and water were of no use for housemaking, for life stabilization. By themselves, they left you fallen and shaken and unstable. Neither were singularly enough to build a house upon. But if you mix them, if you mix them, you had rock. And Jesus says, build on the rock. Mix my word with faith. Make a mortar and build your house there and you will be solid. Do you realize, Jenny can tell you this, we've been over uh, across the ocean. Do you realize there are literally structures today built out of thousands of year old mortar, nothing more than water and sand mixed together and they are still standing 2000 years later. Why? The mortar lasts. 
Lives built upon the rock last. They don't crumble. They don't fall. That's what Jesus is telling you. If you want to make sure you endure, if you want to last, if you want to be stable, build upon the rock. Well, how do I find a rock? You mix God's word with faith. Are you with me tonight? Amen. Amen. Jesus makes the point, hearing God's word is not enough. Amen. Reading God's word is not enough. Amen. Oh. Reading God's word is not enough. Amen. You know you have one line. Knowing what God has said is not enough. It's as unhelpful as laying dirt as a foundation. It's only when you hear and you do, only when you believe and you act, only when you mix what God has said with faith in what he has said, then you're sturdy. Then you're solid. Then you're stable. Your foundation won't be moved. It's the only way that Jesus, the word made flesh, has become your rock beneath your feet. He becomes the rock. How? When he's mortared, when he's your mortar, when he's your mixture, when you activate what he has said into your life. Is this making sense? Amanda, is this making sense to them? Okay. Okay. By raise of hands, how many of you have ever had the feeling of needing direction in life? Spiritually needing direction, needing guidance, needing to know which way to turn and which way to go. Psalms 119 tells us this. God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, God's word is guiding me where I walk. It's directing my steps and it will let you know where to go. But only if you mix it. Do you see if something's lighting your path, it does you no good unless you follow in the path that's being lit? Or in other words, God's word, when mixed, becomes a map. It's the map, it's the map, it's the map. Only our daycare workers giggled at that. Some of you now know I have no life. If we were, this is, are y'all with me tonight? I warned you beforehand this was odd but needed. Amen. This, I'm going to need you to think with me a little bit on this next one. If we were to decide right now that we're going to leave here and we're going to meet at a secret location in downtown Sandusky that none of you have ever been to before, but only I knew the location of this secret meeting place. Even though I can't personally make you be there, What I can do is give you my word as of how to get there. Amen? So I tell each of you, pull out of the church parking lot, and I want you to turn left out of the parking lot, go to the intersection, and at this intersection, you're going to turn left on Route 4. You're going to drive for several miles. Eventually, you're going to come to an overpass. You're going to go over that overpass. Keep driving. You'll pass through two stoplights. And as you pass that second stoplight, you'll notice there's a gas station here. They usually advertise chicken on their sign. You'll pass that and then you'll see a a urgent care on your left. You'll keep driving. And after you go several more miles, you'll pass through a set of yellow blinking caution lights. Don't mind them, keep driving. You'll finally make it yet to another intersection and there you'll turn right at the light. You'll again notice that there's another uh, abandoned gas station on your right-hand side as you turn. Don't mind it, just keep driving. You'll travel on this road for several miles, passing through another stoplight until eventually you find that you'll make another stoplight. And here at this intersection, you're going to turn left. Are you with me? 
This will take you to a large overpass. You'll go up the overpass and the road will start to split a little bit. You're gonna take the right lane and you're gonna turn down the curve. Some of you are following me here. You're gonna turn down the curve. It's gonna to start to go downward. And what you're gonna notice is as that curve goes downward, the road is gonna get obnoxiously bumpy. All right, you're with me. Follow the curve until you find yourself on this obnoxiously bumpy road. You're gonna drive straight and while you're bouncing up and down in your car, the road will go for several minutes and eventually the road will curve and then it will dead end into another road. You're gonna turn right onto this road and here you're gonna to wanna to get in the left lane immediately because you're gonna be turning in only a few yards. And once in the turning lane, you'll wait for the light at the intersection and then you'll turn left once again and then only a few yards from that, you'll turn left into a parking lot and at this place, you will find there is a conference room that I'm familiar with, I have been to and I've invited you to come to, but you've never been there. Would you like me to say that again? Please don't. <laughs> While some of you are completely confused by my words, some of you have began to believe in what I have just said. Some of you have taken into consideration the detail and the depth. You've begun to recognize what I've described. You've begun to believe in my word and the direction I've given. You may even believe in the destination that I've described to you. And the more I describe it and the more of my words that I give to you and the greater depth, the detail and the description and the directions, the more faith you have in what I'm saying. Amen. Now, after hearing and confirming my instructions to you with such great detail and accuracy, you have complete confidence in my words to get you to your destination. You could say that by now, after hearing what I just told you, you are now a believer. You believe what I've told you. You're now equipped. You're now able to get to the destination. Yet there's a problem. You're still sitting in the church. You're not at the destination. You've gone nowhere. Did my word just benefit you any? Did my word just benefit you any? No. You are still sitting at the church. You're not at the place that my words were instructing to get you to. At this stage of simply hearing, simply receiving, simply believing what I have said, you've not yet mixed my words with faith, with action, to make my words be acted upon. And as long as you sit here, as long as you're hearing and believing what I have said to you, the instructions that I gave you will be of no benefit, will be of no profit. It will get you nowhere. God is saying, I gave you my word, not simply to hear, not simply to know, not simply to believe, but to be trusted in enough to follow. I gave you my word to act upon, to guide you, to light your path and guide your feet. Let my word be your life map and follow me. Mixing the word of God with faith in what he has said is for each of you to get up out of your seat, go and get into your car and start the engine and pull out of the parking lot. That is acting in faith on what I have told you. Is this making sense? Amen. It's mixing with what you've been told and giving an action that follows. And guess what? You're gonna find as you pull out of the parking lot, you're gonna be astounded. 
Because just as you heard, just as the word you believed in, on your right, there's going to be a gas station. And on your left, there's going to be this. And on the right, there's going to be that. Actually, what you heard will be a reality brought into your life. You are now living the words I gave you. Amen. This is the very reason that Paul told the church of Corinth that we walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, Christians are people who walk, we live, we press on, we press forward in faith. We actively engage in what we can't yet see, believing the word that he has said, which we will see. We are driving our cars, believing that there is an abandoned gas station on our right. There is a gas station that sells chicken on the left. There is a bumpy road up ahead. We're believing that, though right now in the parking lot at the light, I can't see it. I believe what you've said. I believe your words, but I have yet to see it. Evidence of things heard and hoped for, yet not seen. We walk by faith. We get out of our seats. We go to our car. We turn it on. We pull out of the parking lot. Why? Because we have faith in what we have heard. We have faith in the words given to us, in the instructions, in the map. And we act in such a way that proves our confidence in his word, which he has given us. Amen. Do we realize? I'm going to take a breath now, Charlene. I'm running out of those. Do we realize that there are many people in many walks of life who base their lives upon words? Ironically, me and Jenny watched a movie about that last night a lady who based her life upon words. There are people all over, people who are not Christians, and they know the words, they have them memorized, they have them memorialized, words that aren't of God. Words of men, made up words, fictitious words, they, they base their lives upon words. And though they have them memorized, and though they've heard them, and though they've read them, and though they even believe them, these words, no benefit for them. And yet only we, folks, listen, only we as Christians have the word of a God who can perform the words which he has said. Let me say that again. Only we as Christians have the word of a God who can fulfill the word which he has said. Listen, Darwin can't fulfill his words. Muhammad can't fulfill his words. Abraham Lincoln can't fulfill his words. Guess who can? The word that was given to us. He who has given it can fulfill it. Only we serve a God with the capacity, with the capability of always and forever keeping his words, always doing as he has said he will do. And yet, though that is true, unless we give him the opportunity to prove his word, we might as well be reading a fictitious book. We might as well be reading something made up. Might as well be Winnie the Pooh or Harry Potter or this or that or whatever you want to read. Might as well be. If you're not acting upon it, if you're not allowing him to prove it, if you're not allowing him to bring it to fruition in your life, it might as well be a fictional book. The Bible is meant to be mixed with faith, acted upon the words there. And listen, there are plenty of books out there that can make you feel good. Amen? There are plenty of other books that can give you joy that can make you feel good, that can, that can give you peace. There are plenty of other books besides this book that can consume your mind, that can lift your emotions, that can press your heart. 
and the Bible can do all of these things. And many of us are reading our Bibles and hearing the word of God, just like any other secular, non-living book. Do we grasp that the point of the Bible is not, let me say this slowly. Do we grasp that the point of the Bible is not to make us feel good? You've been coming to Sunday school, you've caught on to that. Scripture is not just for Facebook statuses. It's not for pretty coloring pages. It's not for calendar covers. It's not for coffee mugs and t-shirts. There are plenty of other quotes from other places for those things. It's not to give you a pick-me-up when you're you're down, though it can and though it will. It's not to make you feel good on a rainy day, though it can and though it will. It's, folks, the point of this book is not like the point of any other book. Why? Because this book is not just words on a page. This book is a person. This book is telling you his desires for you that he can complete. But you have to let him. You have to let him complete what he has told you he will do. You have to mix it with faith. We all know John 1. John 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Verse 14 tells us that that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 16 tells us of his fullness we have received. God is his Word. Jesus is the fulfillment of his word. He's the performance, the completion of what God has said he will do. And we receive into our lives, into our experience, into our Christianity of his fullness. But only when we allow his word to become mixed with our experience. Ask yourself this. In your life, by the way that you live, has the word become flesh Or is it just word? Rewind. Try that again. By the way you are living, by your actions, by your daily life, by your motives, by you, has the word become flesh or is it only word? Amen? (laughs) Some of you are like, I don't know what I'm amen but I want you to move on. Amen. Amen. I can read read faces even though I'm blind and a mile away. Amen. Let me explain it to you this way. This will be simpler to follow. In the instance of Israel, God gave his word to Israel. He said, I will deliver you from bondage in Egypt. He said, I will provide you with the promised land. However, though it was great news and though it was a great promise, it was still merely the words to Israel. It was only words at that point. Amen. God had said it. It was only words. That is, this is so great. That is until the word became a promise and it became flesh and it took on a flesh form. We read that Joshua steps onto the scene. And what does Joshua do? Joshua fulfills. Joshua completes what God had said he will do. He activates it. He performs what God has said. He is the words made into flesh. And what did Israel do? They had to allow Joshua to lead them into the promised land. They had to allow him to fulfill what God had said he will do. Word, flesh, fill. God's word has to be allowed to be performed and allowed to fulfill in our lives. For Israel, Joshua was God's word made flesh. Joshua was fulfilling the map that God had given to Israel to get to Canaan. 
If you only believe the word of God without mixing it with faith and what he has said, then the completed work of Christ really is of no benefit to you. It's just words. You have yet to experience personally his word made flesh named Jesus Christ. You have read and you have heard what God has said, but you have not received of his fullness lived out in your life. You have left sin's bondage in Egypt, having heard what God has promised and delivered you, and yet you've not taken what he has said and experienced it in your own life, bringing you to Canaan. There's no action to what you're believing, no, no proving, no evidence for what is unseen. And though you may believe his word and know his word, you've not mixed it. You've not allowed him to bring it to pass. Folks, it all comes down to this. In order to believe the map, you have to get in the car. You have to turn the engine on. You got to put your blinker on because we all are good folks and use our blinker. Amen. You got to turn left. You got to drive at the turn at the light and turn left again. You got to go down further and you got to go over the overpass. And then you got to go through the two stoplights. Then you got to see the chicken on the right. And then you got to keep going through the blinking lights. Folks, in order for the word, in order for the map to work and get you to your destination and make you functional as a Christian, you have to activate it. You have to act upon what you have heard. It takes allowing Joshua to fulfill God's promises. It comes down to letting Jesus do in you what he has said he will do. Or as the author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, it takes letting Jesus not only write, not only author your faith, but it takes Jesus finishing your faith. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. What's that mean? He wrote it and he's going to finish it. He's going to complete it. He's going to do the work. Folks, do you love the Lord tonight? Do you love his word? Do you believe his word? I'm here to tell you that's not enough. Billy Steve, I'm going to try that one more time. We're going to rewind and say that one more time. Some of them had the rug pulled out from under them. I'm going to say that one more time. Do you love the Lord tonight? Do you love his word tonight? Do you believe his word tonight? It's not enough. Here to tell you it's not enough because so did Israel. And the wilderness was paved with bones of people who believed God, who knew what he had said, but didn't act upon his faith. They didn't allow Joshua. They didn't allow Jesus to bring it to pass in their lives. We have to let him live out his word in our lives. We have to let him author and fulfill our faith. We have to mix his word with action. It's the only way Christianity will profit your life. It's the only way it will work. Are you missing the mixture? When you read a verse, when you hear a message, what do you do with it? Do you munch on it? Do you use it as rock to build your life upon? Has it become a mortar in your life? Do you allow what you hear and what you read to be a map that guides every step you take through life? Are you missing the mixture? Will it be said that though you heard the word of God, it did not profit your life because you did not mix it with faith? Church, read his word, know his word, love his word, act upon his word in faith. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. 
You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.